Right, it's Halloween night and there's a spooky sight. Well, two <laughs> spooky sights on 67 Hill Hill. Hello, John. Yeah, not as scary as the sights we saw yesterday, Hamish, but we'll get into that. Yeah, got so much to chat about. This is the, the usual Sunday show. It's now been branded 67 Hill Hill Sunday Live. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I quite like it. The Sunday show, not bad. Well, it's already been decided, so the Sunday show just isn't happening. And <laughs> um, what do we make of Kyogo's Halloween prank? We, yes, we I liked pie. it. I liked it. Um, what was it? Ralston, either on was the best one. There was one. two people, Ralston and someone else earlier on as well. Um, they couldn't have Ralston, picked a nicer guy to be a scary fella. Ralston got done a better. He didn't know he was there at all. It's creeping up on him. You a fan of Halloween? Not particularly, Hamish, no. <laughs> Which Scottish town celebrates Halloween on a different day to the rest of the planet? I have no idea, Hamish. Does anyone watching this have any idea? They they celebrate it on the, the Friday prior to the 31st for unbeknown reasons. Um, Kilmarnock is the answer. So mm. that, there's a wee bit of trivia for anyone watching. Um, let's move topic to Celtic then. We've got so much to chat about. Disappointing afternoon yesterday against Livingston. Moore um, dropped points. Uh, what was your kind of take on the overall game? Yeah, the game was undoubtedly frustrating. Um, and I think it was frustrating almost from the off, really. I thought in the initial stages Celtic had a decent tempo, um, but that quickly made way for the side-to-side passing and lack of ambitious or risky pa- passing that we've come to see from Celtic for years against some of these defensive sides. I don't think yesterday was a symptom of what Ange is bringing to Celtic, rather a symptom of the way Scottish football is sometimes, and the game plan of teams that come to Celtic Park. And I don't say that to disparage Livingston. You know, they come here, they come to Celtic Park with a game plan and they execute it. And sometimes they manage to pick up a result like that. Um, They didn't really come to Celtic with any ambition to do anything other than defend. I think they only had four touches in our box across the whole 90 minutes. Um, And that's, you know... You know, that's that's a bit silly, really. Celtic had 85% of the possession, but ultimately it's Celtic's fault that we didn't break them down. It was interesting because after the game, and obviously in the, the heat of the moment and in the drama of the final few moments, a lot of people put the blame on Giacomacchus and his penalty miss, and obviously it was a horror penalty, but that's not why Celtic drew yesterday. Why Celtic drew yesterday is that we were just not creative enough with the ball, and we got shunted out wide far, far too mm. often. Yeah, I said that walking out of the game yesterday that, that I felt that if we'd have won the game with that last-minute penalty, we'd have been delighted, we'd have taken it, we'd have moved on, but I, I don't think we would really have deserved to win that game um, based on you know the way, the way the game went, and we didn't create enough for me to, to win that game at all. Um, Livingston defended comfortably. What do we think Ange made of that yesterday? Because Ange... You know, when you know when we were finding out all about Ange months ago during the summer, the the one thing that kept coming out was that he wants to entertain his mm-hmm. teams. He, he wants them to be entertaining. He wants people to to come and watch them and, and be entertained. And I think to a large extent that's been the case so far. I think there's certainly been really entertaining games watching Ange's Celtic. I don't know about you, but but yesterday put me to sleep at points. Um, I was I was just growing more and more frustrated with the. 
the lack of responsibility taken, you know, yesterday. I, I just felt there was so much shirking it. There was players just moving it side to side. Nobody really kind of grabbing the, the game, you know, by the scruff of the neck and saying, I'm going to make something happen here. Um, and as you say, Livingston, it was almost like a carbon copy of when we played Barcelona all those years ago. And we were happy for Barca to have the ball, you know, move it out wide and then we'll defend the crosses. And Livingston did that to a tee yesterday. You know, their defenders, meat and drink to their defenders, heading balls away, putting themselves on the on the line, blocking shots, keeper making good saves, keeper claiming crosses. I didn't feel we made their defenders do enough of what they didn't want to do, which was tracking back, running, chasing balls, going over their head. We didn't put enough balls over the top for me. And as I say, try not to be too harsh, because I think in general this Celtic team's been really impressive lately, but yesterday put me to sleep in that second half. No, I mean, there's no point in getting around it. You know, I think yesterday's performance was poor. Um, it, how, the, you know, the reaction to it has been interesting as always. You know, you know, it's not for me to tell other people how to feel about a game or, or a result or a weekend of action. Me personally, I don't, you know, I don't see it as a, as a great sin of, of where Andrew's taking this team or, or what Celtic are doing in totality. I think it was just one of those games that we've seen countless times in, in years gone by, really. Um, I, you know, I, I've seen that pattern of play at Celtic Park loads and loads of times. You know, it's not it's nothing new to us. It's not like where we're suddenly come up against a, a brick wall that we've never seen before. But it really is imperative that, you know, Ange finds a way to get past that. You know, that's what Ange is paid to do, and that's what managers in the past have been paid to do is to find a way to defeat these teams who sit in and are defensive against us. Because David Martindale isn't going to be the only manager who comes to Celtic Park this season and plays a team like that. That's just a fact. So um, it's up to Ange and the players to, to try and figure it out and make sure that it's just not as passive as, as yesterday was. I think in general we've been quite impressive at home, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to rewrite history here. But there have been, you know, a fair few games lately, more recently at home in the league that have kind of followed the, the similar pattern, cert- certainly in the first half. I mean, I thought St. Johnson last week up until we scored was was kind of a bit of a struggle at times. And it, it wasn't until, you know, they made that one mistake. I think the, the left back booth, you know, lets the ball bounce, goes over his head. And to be fair, we took advantage. Uh, Ross County was a, was another one, you know, a couple of months ago that, that was quite a kind of... Um, quite a difficult afternoon until CCV's deflected shot went in. Um, Dundee United home game was a little bit different because they actually came and played that day, but we still didn't win that game. But when you compare them to the first two games we had, I think it was the first two, Dundee and St Mirren, um, when you know we won 6-0, I think both games, there has been a, a bit of a shift there and it's something that, that we definitely do. We have to find solutions for this because... Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday's fine. I'm happy to write yesterday off. It's two drop points. It is what it is. I don't think it is a huge, you know, it's going to make a, a huge bit of difference really in the grand scheme of things. Watch us lose the league by one point now, by the way. But um, I think, you know, as long as we react, that's fine. But the next time we come up against a, a low block, against a team who's not coming to play football, who's coming to stop us playing football, basically, like Levy did, we need to find solutions to that. Have you got any ideas for how we do that any different ways we can play I think some of the players just need to take more risks I mean I think that was apparent for me I don't think we had enough 
you know, vertical in our passing in, in the central areas. That was who, really who, who the are we key talking for about? What, what players? Well, in I'm particular? talking T- Turnbull and, and yeah. McGregor. You know, the players who are ostensibly filling in for Tom Rogic. Now, Tom Rogic is a very direct player, um, and he finds space in the way that probably some of our other players can't. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we're missing. You know, that bit of space or or just that final pickpocket pass. Um, and Ange spoke after the game that you know we might maybe not have missed Rogic so much, which I thought was was strange. He also said that we had the chances to win the game, and I think really he was referring to the penalty and then the chance after the penalty, yeah. which are two golden glorious chances to to win that game. And you know I'm not absolving Jackamakis because it was a horror penalty. I'm not absolving the miss either. Like you need to take chances like that when you're pushing for silverware. But I don't think Ange really, you know, gets out of what the performance was yesterday by saying that because the penalty was a almost a freak incident that was barely an open play, um, and then the chance comes right at the death where they're down to ten men and yeah. we, are, we are really really pushing. So, you know, we didn't really create much before that. I think we had two shots in target in total, which I don't think is good enough considering how much we dominated the ball. But we just need to take more risks, more passes into the box from those central areas. More shots probably uh, if if there's more of a sight on goal in and around the box, you know maybe fire off a couple. I'm not talking about doing a Ryan Christie and, and having forty shots, but you know something something a bit a bit bolder than what we saw yesterday. Because as you say, I think there was a bit of an abdication of responsibility in the sense that they were happy to pan the ball off to the likes of Anthony Ralston, who probably was our best player yesterday. Mm. And I think in a match, you know, no harm to Anthony Ralston, but in a match where Ralston is your best player and probably your most dangerous player, I think his balls into the box were better than most, you know, across the 90 minutes, then I think Celtic have a problem. Yeah, I just felt as if yesterday we were doing things, you know, taking too many touches, even when you're talking about shooting there. that We did have a couple of shots, but the shots were all getting blocked because by the time we decided to shoot, Livingston had two, three men lining up to block them. Turnbull had two or three shots that were, were blocked in the second half. And you're thinking, if you're going to shoot, just do it straight away because he's actually very good at, at shooting, David Turnbull, unlike the, the Scotland International you just mentioned 30 seconds ago. Turnbull invariably finds a target. He, he, quite often scores goals, so I'm happy with him shooting now and again if it's going to offer us something different. Um, Mazar Yusuf, who obviously always enjoy Mazar's takes, uh, was there a real need for a defensive midfielder mm. uh, beat on yesterday? Would have loved to see Jota play in the middle with Turnbull, could have allowed Mikey Johnson to play on the wing um, with Kyogo up top. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big complaint last season, wasn't it? That we were playing a defensive midfielder too often, and invariably it was Scott Brown. Um, I think you know that's valid, but I can also see why Ange went for the team that he did yesterday. A lot of chat about you know not playing Kyogo, and in hindsight, it was it's a pretty poor decision. And in hindsight, that you know the manager should see how how the team would play without Kyogo. I think most fans were well, well for me anyway. I was looking at the team when it was announced and thinking this might not be a bad game to risk Kyogo for. Mm. But yeah. it didn't pan out like that, and I'm just, I'm just paid to see that. You know, he's he's paid to have the foresight to to see that. Um, do, do you think starting Kyogo up top yesterday changes the game? Do you think we win that if Kyogo's up top from the start? Because mm. I, I personally don't. I, I just I, I don't, don't either. I don't think there was a space, and I don't think the midfielders were doing enough in those areas to to have a Kyogo and his movement, you know, have an effect against what was basically a bank of ten or eleven players at times. 
um, and it's ex- exceptionally difficult. And, and you know, I, I I do agree that while we can criticise the performance and and say you know that's on the players and the manager, I think you also you know in context have to look at it as well and think of the way that the opposition were playing and the progress that we've seen in October, and think you know this isn't. I don't think it was the end of the world as drawn yesterday. I can understand why people are so frustrated, especially with Rangers going on to win so comfortably today. But I think we're going to have these days across the season. I, I wasn't particularly surprised with yesterday. You know, I obviously was hoping for a win and, and expected a win, but I wasn't shocked by the way the game panned out because I could see more of these games happening this season. And, and there's also the way the game finished yesterday with, with the penalty miss. I, I don't mm-hmm. think people are, are quite as as gutted and as disappointed if we draw that without the penalty miss. It, obviously, it would still have been frustrating drawing 0-0 at home to Livingston, but I think that the penalty miss just kind of amplifies everything. And, and to be fair, the miss after that as well was, I think it was Forrest and, and Gigi, one of them had to find a way to put that in the net. Um, so I think that obviously amplifies things. Um, but but I agree when I, when I say what I said a few minutes ago about, for me, it not being a cat- catastrophic result in any way. I think a lot of people... Again, I'm not going to dig out at Celtic fans. That's the last thing I'm going to do. But um, you know, some people are, are looking at it as as you know being a a catastrophic result for our title hopes. I think if one one thing we've found out already this season, um, Rangers and the other teams at the top of the league are going to drop points this season, and it's all about us finding a win and run. And if we can get back on a win and run, I'm convinced we will cut that gap again very soon. Um, it's just disappointing yesterday because it was. It was a match that most Celtic fans had probably written off as three points, given the run we'd been on, just being Easter Road, performed so well, possibly our best away performance under Ange, and, and then we, we put in such a kind of poor performance at home. But hopefully it's a reminder to the players, and, I, and I'm not saying that yesterday they turned up and expected to win, but hopefully it's a reminder that you can't do that in any game. As a Celtic player, you're going to have the opposition up for you know playing us. Whoever the opposition is, it's one of their biggest games of the season. Livingston usually play to a couple of thousand fans. Yesterday they're playing to, what, 50, 55,000. So it's going to be a huge game for them to get up. And we always have to be wary of that. And maybe it's just a message to what is a, still a very new team. You have to be on it to, you know, at least, you know, seven, eight out of ten every single match as a Celtic player. No, I agree. I agree. And the frustration is that, you know, we've got, you know, we've got, f- Ferns virus coming up on Thursday, and and you can just see the game panning out completely differently, can you? It's not yeah. going to be, and you, you know, it might be to Celtic strengths and that they actually get to play football. So it's just so annoying, and and I know there was a lot of frustration in the stadium yesterday. There was a bit of audible booing at the end, and but I actually agreed with Ange in his in, in his interview after the game. I don't know if you heard it, but he was basically, you know, questioning or challenging, you know, the the theory that the the fans were booing, you know, individuals or booing the team or or the coaching staff. It wasn't a case of that. You know, fans were booing because they're frustrated with the result. Yeah. And they're annoyed with the result. It wasn't targeted booing, you know, for a particular reason about the Celtic team or, or the way it's going. So Ange kind of pushed back on that narrative after the game and, and I actually agree with that. But you can understand why the, the fans are upset. Put it this way, it was very different booing to the Dundee United game. I think at that stage, mm. fans were genuinely really disgruntled, rightly or wrongly, with what they'd seen from the team. What Ange, you know, what Ange was doing at that stage, there was a good bit of pressure on him. I think yesterday, completely, it was just, it's weird. It was just booing out of frustration. It wasn't really, you know, 
like this is absolutely abysmal or anything like that or you know I'm falling out of love with this team or anything it was more just frustration that would would drop two points and again I doubt the boon would have been quite as loud had we not missed a penalty in the last few minutes that was gut-wrenching um will we get up your your wee passing graphic that you had me slaving away at earlier yeah we, we took this from who scored which is obviously a good stat tracking website if you've not used it before for the people who are listening to the audio version of this it basically shows the positions of every Celtic pass throughout the 90 minutes I think there was 880 odd or something it was a ridiculous amount of passes but you can see here what I'm talking about in that there's a clear band of grey around the D around the the Livingston box there and you can see Celtic getting pushed out wide um, and being forced into crosses there was 40 crosses in total Hamish which Mm. which is a lot and I think um, the, the cynic posted something on Twitter yesterday where it was like 82 or 83 crosses across both games against Livingston. So it played out a lot, you know, a lot similarly to the match at the Tony Macaroni. But, you know, the only difference there was is that they had one chance and took it. Um, but, you, you know, you see we're only getting to the byline a handful of times. We've got two shots on target for all that possession. Um, and there's just not enough in the central areas there. There's, there's you know, there's two or three passes around the D and, and that's not... You know, we need more than that. We need to find some way to to shift, you know, opposition players out of those areas, or or do something to get them out of those areas because we were effectively crowded out of that central area, and that's the way Livingston played, um, mm. and that's the way you know that's the way a lot of teams will play. So it's about figuring out the ways to to kind of break that down, and that's what we didn't do. It's you know it's nothing revolutionary. What I'm saying, it's it's perhaps obvious to a lot of people, but you know that is the problem. That is the dilemma facing Ange and, and the Celtic team. Right, I'm completely ready to leave yesterday behind forever and and never chat. Do you think we should just start boycotting Livingston games as a channel? We'll just take the weekend off whenever Celtic play Livingston because it's it's never fun. I'd be happy with that. I'd be very happy with that. I, yeah, I know, and a lot of people are frustrated with David Martindale. Because you know he's he's quite chirpy in the press before and after games. He's he's out. He's got that little bit of arrogance that you probably need as a football manager. And I don't. I'm not. I'm not particularly a huge fan of Livingston at the moment either. I can understand why Celtic fans don't like them. But that this is football and this is Scottish football and this is something that's almost eternal in Scottish football. Um, as is one-upmanship, and we got a bit of a um sign of that, some evidence of that today. Um, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that, but Celtic aren't going to give Rangers an allocation for the January the 2nd yeah. derby. Um, th- this was actually broken, I think, uh, yesterday. It was to do with the, the fan... Um, what was it? A fan... Fan, fo- fan forum. Fan forum, that's the word I'm looking for. When it was, I think, a question that was answered. Um, Celtic mm-hmm. obviously weren't, we has to less and Celtic weren't given tickets for Ibrooks. They were initially offered them before Rangers took them away. And it seems like um, we're going to uh, follow the same arrangement for them coming to Parkhead at the start of 2022. Um, so what's what's the thoughts on that? You know, in terms of, from a Celtic point of view for the match on its own, it obviously gives us, you know, a marginally better chance of, of getting a result. Uh, if you believe in that kind of thing, the overall picture in terms of getting big away supports to to the derby, what, what's the thoughts? Yeah, there's there's not lines there, though, is there? Yeah. <laughs> no, but but no, seriously though, you know this was basically the only thing Celtic could have done, and it's the right move. You know, you can't have 
Rangers refusing us tickets and then us turning around and giving them tickets and essentially giving them a, a, a derby advantage in, in some way in the, in the sense that we had no allies at Ibrox in, in the first derby and even a, a small band of 800 is still something for kind of them to hang on to if they're playing us at Celtic Park in, in a New Year's derby. So, no, stuff them. You know that that's it's the right move. Celtic have made the right call. And, you know what it means for the future of the derby is uncertain. You know I do know that Celtic were willing and and keen to kind of enter negotiations with Rangers and and bring back the kind of full away ends in both stadiums for the derby before that decision that Rangers made with the the tickets ahead of the first derby. So I don't know how it'll pan out. I don't know if this is just a a one off from from Celtic or. Or you know they're going to get back from the table for the you know the remaining derbies for the rest of the season. But for this New Year's derby, you know, no, don't let them in. You know, there's no need to. I know that you know there was a bit of, you know, you, you can consider Celtic's options and think well they might do this and they might do that. But ultimately, yeah, it would be a terrible, a terrible way to kind of treat the supporters. I would say if you allowed Rangers fans into this specific game. Yeah, do we think we'll be able to get away with it though? That, that's a, that's the one thing I, I would I would raise is that the SPFL rules do use the term reasonable away support that clubs have to give, um, you know, away clubs a, a reasonable visiting support. Um, Rangers obviously didn't give us a reasonable visiting support the last time we went to Ibrooks. Uh, I think they used the whole COVID excuse. That's obviously not really an excuse. I think we'll be able to use any more with the, the red zones and all that being lifted. Um, so it will be interesting to see how Celtic do manage it um, because technically uh, in the rules you have to give a reasonable away support. Maybe like what? six tickets can be considered reasonable or something like that. Well, what's the punishment going to be though? What's it going to be? Going to be a fine or something? It's going to be a slap in the wrist. It's, you know, Rangers did it to us in, in that game and the circumstances of that were that Celtic couldn't 100% guarantee, you know, this is months ago, Celtic couldn't 100% guarantee tickets for the New Year derby because they didn't know what restrictions would be in place. The red zone was still in place at that time and they couldn't 100% say, we will definitely give you tickets. They said, if the COVID you know, rules are lifted, then you will get tickets. That's what they said to Rangers. But Rangers weren't happy with that. And so if they're going to be as bitter and petty as that, then Celtic shouldn't, you know, bend on this. And if there is an SPFL rule and they, they do fall foul of it, then just, you know, have a justification, appeal it, whatever. It's You know, ultimately it's not going to be a, a particularly harsh punishment, in, in my opinion. It's Rangers who have ruined the derby. Um, Celtic yeah. have been, you know... I would suggest bystanders on this. I know that there's been a bit of tit for tat, but you know, once there's a bit of tit, there's a bit for tat. So, <laughs> what can you do? Yeah, um, just summing up, how you know that's one viewpoint that I certainly can echo a lot of that. Um, Ridiculiser, um, two wrongs don't make a right. To rob the fixture of its world famous rivalries, madness. Give them the full allocation. The idea of the game with no opposition fans is a lunacy. Hashtag clown world. Just in case we were in any doubt to Ridiculiser's um, thoughts on that. But listen, that that sums up how many people feel that, that Celtic should be the the bigger man or the bigger club in this situation. Others would would feel you know the same way as us. I think that you know. Rangers can't be given any sort of sporting advantage, any further sporting advantage, should I say, um, going into that match. I, I don't know how I feel about a derby game at Celtic Park with, with no away fans. It feels weird, but if Celtic get the win, I don't think any of us will, will care at all. Um, Celtic did get the win earlier today against Rangers um, in the SWPL 
Cup. So that was mm -hmm. good stuff. Nice to get one over the old rivals on any given Sunday. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of follows a trend of, of Celtic having decent success against Rangers. Obviously, they, they finished ahead of Rangers in the SWPL1 table last year um, and qualified for the, the Women's Champions League. And again, that's the aim this year. There's kind of, you know, if you're not aware of the women's game, you know, I know some people aren't, but if you're not aware, there's over the last couple of years, there's been essentially three teams in the league who have a genuine shot of winning it. And that's Glasgow City who have continued their dominance and ultimately come out on top. And then you've got kind of Rangers and Celtic chasing them. Last season, Celtic were kind of seen as the third wheel in that. And that kind of rankled with Fran Alonso and his team. And they used that as motivation to finish second ahead of Rangers. Um, and this season, Rangers are top after you know the, f the first seven or so games, I think. Celtic are two points behind. But this was a cup game played away from home. And, you know, Celtic you know, got the, the close for 1-0 win that they need. They go into the semi-final. I think it's Hibernian, Spartans and Glasgow City in the semi-final. The draw for that's tomorrow. And I think this Celtic team under Fran Alonso have a real shot at, you know, a trophy and, and, and some silverware this season. I've watched them a lot over the last 12 months and what they have in abundance is a real a determination and spirit. And, you know, they really fight for everything and it's actually mm. quite entertaining to watch. You know, I really enjoyed the title running um, last season, I really enjoyed watching them going for that. There, there was a point where it could look, where it looked like they could genuinely win the thing, um, and it was thrilling to watch. Alonso's doing a great job there. The women's team, you know, full of spirit, full of character, um, and hopefully they win something this season, whether it's the league or a cup. Here, here, um, the legend that is Plexiplox getting in touch. He mentioned um, Celtic ladies win as well, and also um, the other team winning big and our dropping points. How big a momentum shift is that? What, what do we think going into this week? Then we've got a couple of games to, to finish off this wee chunk. Finish Varos Thursday night, and it is night. I think it's an eight o'clock kickoff, so it's kind of one of the, the later batch of games. And then Dundee uh, a week today on Sunday, is is six points from that achievable? I would take, I would. I know people probably slam me for this, for not being ambitious. I would take a point in Hungary against Ferencváros, and obviously we need all three points against Dundee. Um, I think a point against Ferencváros effectively guarantees us a Conference League spot, or not, it doesn't guarantee us, but it puts us in... They would really need to good, win one of their last yeah, two games, yeah. Against puts us in a goals. really good position to go into those Conference League knockout rounds after Christmas, which I think is probably the most likely outcome of this group for Celtic. But, you know, a win does somewhat keep us in the running for the Europa League knockout stages as well. So I'm not... You know, I think Celtic can win in Hungary, but I yeah. don't think it's a guarantee. I think Ferenc Varas will be more attack-orientated than the, the game at Celtic Park. They've had a couple of wins since then. I think they won one of their games 7-0. They won yeah. yesterday 2-0. So they'll be... They'll be up for attacking Celtic because they know they need they need a win just to stay in the running for the Conference League. Never mind the Europa League. So they're kind of in a, a last chance saloon, I I would suggest. And I think it's going to be an open, exciting game. But as I said earlier, I do think that um, Celtic thrive in that kind of environment and may have more about them than we saw against Livingston at the weekend. I'll put it to you though, Hamish. You know, is Dundee at Dens Park? Is that going to be? another day of frustration in terms of are Dundee going to sit in on us or are, are they going to play in a more open way because it could be a real test of how Ange and this team are progressing against the team that defends so resolutely in their box. 
I'm assuming they'll, they will come and, and make it difficult for us, given how the last game went at, at Celtic Park. I think that was a, a really, really bruising afternoon for them. That was 6-0 and it could easily easily have been double figures with the, the chances that we created that day. Kyogo himself could have had six goals, I think. So that they are going to make it difficult for us next week. It's obviously, you know, it's impossible to, to tell really how, exactly how it's going to go. I kind of feel like it, it won't be. I kind of feel like we'll be, we'll be too strong. I think... Even a team like Livingston are, are far better than Dundee in, in terms of the way they defend. I think as much as we've kind of laid into Livingston a bit, and I'm aware I'm revisiting yesterday's game again, but they, they are very good defensively. The, the amount of blocks that team get in the way, and I think behind the defence they've got probably one of the best goalkeepers in the league in, in Strychek. He's actually a keeper I would like us to you know keep an eye on, possibly as a, as a backup at some stage. I think he's excellent. But I think they are... I think they're much stronger defensively um, than Dundee are. And I think they also have far more experience of, of playing against Celtic. I think this is quite a, a a new Dundee team to this level in general. They do have a couple of experienced players, you know, Charlie Adam, uh, Cummins as well. Um, Griffiths obviously won't, won't be around for the game next Sunday. But I kind of feel like... You know, on on a pitch that that's usually usually all right, um, with a, with a good Celtic support there, I think we'll we'll do the business pretty comfortably. Maybe you know two 0 something like that. Thursday night, we were streets ahead of them in the first game, like streets ahead of them. Uh, there's absolutely no reason we we can't go over there and win. Whether I would take a draw, um, I, I probably wouldn't. To be honest, I I probably fancy my chances of of going over there and, and winning. Um, and as long as we're kind of ahead of them, you know, obviously we want to to, to win, um, and a draw is okay as well. But as long as we're we're you know a few points ahead of them going into the last two games, then you know Conference League at the worst. I think no one would be too unhappy about dropping into the Conference League at this stage. I think that's quite a, an exciting competition for, you know, an enticing competition for a lot of Celtic fans going in there. What kind of caliber of team are you going to come up against? Would we have a genuine shot at you know making like a a quarter final, something like that. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I'd, I'd be, yeah, I, I'd probably wouldn't take a point if you offered me it. Put it that way. You love making the point that once you're in the knockouts, anything can happen in Europe. Hamish, I know that from over the years. You've said it many times. Um, you know, I, you know, a lot of talk of momentum today and the title race and the to and throw and the points gap, etc. I think the next week is, you know, next week against Dundee, I think is critical for, for that. You know, if if we don't win against Dundee, then there is a bit of concern there because it feels like we're back to square one a little bit. And, and I think that's why, you know, yesterday was important too because we need to win our home games because the away games are trickier sometimes. But if you, you know, if you think back to the kind of before the last international break, if we go into this international break with... A draw, or a win against Ferenc Varos, yeah. and a and a win against Dundee. You know, I think what that we're in a decent place, and you could see you can see the improvement from the last transfer, from the last international break to this one, and then we can see what happens. You know, when we return, and you hope that everyone returns, you know, fit and, and ready to go. Um, but thanks everyone for for tuning into this video. Anyway, we do appreciate all the support. Remember to subscribe to the channel if you've not done it yet. And yeah, we'll speak to you very soon. Take care, everyone, and heel heel.